2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm only going to review. I, I feel like this is important. I want to review with you guys. What I'm preaching about today will be one of the most important messages I've ever preached in all of my ministry. And I'm not just saying that. You'll get it as I get in. What I'm going to preach to you this morning is one of the most important things I've ever preached on before. And uh, we're talking about courageous living in this Bible study of how courageous means that we've got something welling up inside of us, welling up inside of us, making us want to run to the battle. I use David as our illustration. Everybody was fearful. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. That's what God has given us. But I'm going to say, in a lot of families and parents and churches and and things like that, I'm seeing more an apprehensive spirit of, I can't, or I'm not qualified, or I I shouldn't open my mouth. And as a result, we're not reaching people like we should. We're on the sidelines, and the Goliaths are sitting there saying, you know, people aren't into Jesus anymore, and people aren't into church, and and you're old-fashioned, you're out of date, and we're letting it get to our minds. But you've got to understand, God didn't give us that spirit. What, has God is, what God has given us me is a sound mind. I'm on the winning side. I serve the God of all creation. He died on a cross. People are going to hell without Jesus. That's the truth. He said, that's not going through my mind. Then you have a spirit of fear. We've become tempted, apathetic, passive. He said, in chapter 1, verse 5, he said, when I call the remembrance, the unframed, the sincere faith that is in you. He said, Timothy, I know that it's in you. I, I know that you're saved. I know that you love God. I, I, I know that you're that type of Christian. He said, I, I, he said in, in chapter 1, verse 6, wherefore I put in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. That stir up means to rekindle. He, he, said, he said, Timothy, we cannot be passive. It's time to, to, to stir up the fire, the passion, the zeal that is in you. Because God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. In the summer, I'm asking God to stir us up. For us to have the courageous spirit. I want, by the end of the summer, Fellowship Baptist Church to be like a caged lion ready to just charge the devil and, and, and go into this world and make a difference. I, I want us to be on fire for God. That's what stir up. The word stir up in the Greek literally means to kindle the fire. Rekindle the fire. I, guys, I, I know it's in here. I know that God's given it to us. But I, I think we, we've allowed what the Bible says, quench not the spirit. The word quench is literally the opposite of kindle. It, it leans to damper, to put out. Fear does that. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love. There should be an atmosphere of love, a passion of love, a love for God and a love for others. There should be a spirit of a sound mind where we know the truth. There should be a spirit of power. David ran out there. Goliath was getting in his face saying, boy, I'm going to feed you to the birds. He said, "Uh, I come to you in the name of the Lord. There's not a chance you can feed me to the birds. You you realize the power that is standing with me? And he took a rock and he knocked on the giant and then just walked away with his head in his hands. not, Not that we charged the world looking for, you know, knocking down giants. And in a spiritual sense, we do. But I'm telling you, We've got to have that attitude that is greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We've got to understand that we're on the winning side and God's given us the power to do this. But I told you last week, why, why, why don't we have this? I'm starting at the basis. I'm starting at the foundation. I'm starting over with all of us, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm getting down to this. 
You, you, I think we need to understand the foundational principles because we get so caught up in the Christian life of what we created and what we do that we forget about the foundational principles. Guys, we should be in church and we should worship. And we, it's great to have choir. It's great to sing. It's great to have a program. It's great to have a witnessing and serving the Lord. Do you guys realize that there is something more important than witnessing to the lost? You say, no, that's, that's not the most important thing. No, there's something more important than sacrificially giving to church or having missions. Before there was church, before there was lost people to reach, before there was families to lead, before there was schools, before there was church, before there was anything. Do you know what everything started? It started with one thing, and that was a relationship with God. You say, we've got to reach the world. We've got to charge the darkness. We've got to save people from the lost. You realize that you're never going to do that without first having a relationship with God? You say, well, I know that. Well, hold on. I know we know that. It's not a matter of me saying that I have the Holy Spirit inside of it. It's just a matter of if I'm actively pursuing the things that he's given me. I want, I want to give a mental picture just to, to lay this out. I, I don't even want you to turn in there. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, I, I just, and I know we talk about this, the fall of man and, and how man sinned and the garden and the fruit and all that other stuff. That's, that's not even where I'm going with this. And the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Now I just want you to get something. In the beginning, before there was sin, church, worship, uh, evangelism, missions, whatever, it just started with God and man. God created and put man there. And God is talking to man, and man is talking to God. That was the beginning. That was creation. That was the purpose. Everything else around it was just the atmosphere that God created for them to enjoy the presence of God. Just as 3.8, and they heard the voice of God. And I know they sinned and they ran. That's not my point right now. Just grab this. They heard the voice of God crying out to them in the garden. God looking for his creation. Adam, Eve, come on guys, where are you at? Adam, Eve, come out in the cool of the day. It was like it was just a normal, everyday, regular occurrence to spend time with God. It wasn't a program. It wasn't a Sunday. It was life. And they heard the voice of God walking in the garden. God speaking to them and them hearing God and then God speaking to them and them talking back to God. You guys get, this is... This is the foundation. This is the beginning. This is, and they hid from the presence of the Lord. They were together. I know I'm missing a lot of the things that we normally bring out of there, but I, I, I'm looking at this. There, there was a fellowship. There was a union. There was, they were together. Here's a scary thought. Listen to this. The most important aspect of our existence is the least practiced part of our life for many. Can I say that again? The most important aspect, not of our life, literally of our existence, is one of the most least practiced parts of our life. If you are a Christian and you don't have a regular walk with God, you've missed the big picture of the very reason you were created. And that's why we 
We have this life that everything is a struggle and church is a struggle and life is a struggle and marriage is a struggle and witness is a struggle. You've skipped first base. We've missed the foundational principle of why we were even here. Last week I spoke about the spirit of fear, but I tell you, I, I think a lot of it, we begin with the spirit of fear because we have no relationship with God. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break down our relationship with God this morning. I want you to turn, now that we've done the review, turn to 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to be in 1 John 1 for the remainder of our morning. Listen to this. I, I, he, he's talking, the whole thing is about a relationship, an experience with God. Our relationship with God, number one, begins with our salvation experience. Before any of you check out on me and say, oh, okay, I know that part. I, I, I don't need you to skip this part. And I, I didn't even have plans to do it if, if it wasn't just for the fact that I was starting at the beginning of this and going through. And listen to this, in 1 John 1, 3, and I want you just to get what he's saying, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, that, that's within the church. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Did, did you hear that? The very beginning of the book about love. Begins and says, hey, we have fellowship with you. But he said, let me tell you, we have fellowship with the Father. And these things write we unto you, that your joy might be full. I'm going to lay it out like this. If you don't have a relationship and fellowship with God, you don't have the joy of the Lord. You just say, well, this this is so basic. No, I'm going to tell you how many Christians walk in the church every week and they have no joy of the Lord. There's, there's nothing bubbling up inside, and there's no zeal and passion and, and all the things that should be there. The word fellowship is a partnership. The word fellowship means communication. The word fellowship means communion. It doesn't mean we are to serve the Lord or we're just to witness for the Lord. Man, those should come out of our relationship with God. Those should be second nature because of our relationship with God. It's talking about your joy being full because of what we have in our lives. Look forward to chapter 4, verse 13. And he told you, here's the thing, begins with our salvation experience. Whereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us his spirit. We know. Hereby we know. Because of this, we know. You guys have to understand that there's so many Christians, there's so many people that say, I say, go up to them and say, are you saved? And they say, I think so, or I'm pretty sure, or I grew up in church, all this. You realize in the Bible, in 1 John chapter 4, he says, I'm going to let you know how you know that you are saved. You ought to know that you are saved. Amen. You need to know that. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, Jesus Christ, through the form of the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, stepped into your life, and you were no longer different. That, that knowing that he's talking about, there's proofs of that. There should be the proof through the presence of his Spirit that is inside of your life. Do you understand that? If you are saved and you truly accepted Jesus Christ, I'm not saying, guys, there, there is such a thing as people repeating words. I do not believe when people come up and say, how do I get saved? Just repeat these words. Repeating words will not save your life. Will not. I could get you to say anything at any point in time. I've, I've had people do that before. That, that just said, I'll, I'll say whatever I have to to get you off my doorstep. I'll do anything to get you out of my living room. And, and I didn't understand that. The Bible doesn't say get people to repeat words. It says, if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. 
There, there is a change of heart. God steps into our life, and I know we say, just pray and ask God to come into your heart. I know, and I know that's a cutesy thing to say and things like that. The Bible says it's believing in our hearts, being convinced, a change of direction. There's proof through the, the, the Spirit of God. Let me tell you what the Spirit of God in your life does. The Spirit of God in your life will bring conviction to your life. You cannot have the holy, righteous, almighty God in your life and walk into sin and not be bothered by it. Did you guys hear me? I and you and he and me. The Bible says that there is, a, there is a connection. There's a bond that happens there. God says, I step into your life. And you sit there and you can go out and party and live it up and live in sin and nothing bothers you. Something is wrong inside of your life. You say, you're judging me. No, I'm telling you. When you got saved, if you got saved, the Spirit of God came to live inside of your life. And if the Spirit of God's inside of you, you've got the holy, righteous, almighty God living inside of you. And he will not be okay being in the wrong place. And if something doesn't sit there and jerk your heart and say, get out of here, get out of here, you shouldn't be doing this. Now, I know we quench the Spirit of God, and I know we push Him away, and I, I know we do those kind of things, and we still sin. David knew he was doing wrong, but he still sinned. But there should be some sort of bell, alarm, warning going off in your heart. We shouldn't be here. Then you get Christians that sit there, Christians. They get in the world and they, they have no change and no direction and there's nothing going on in their life. They say this is wrong and mom and dad have to drag it out of you. Your wife has to yell at you about it. Something is wrong. It's wrong. I'm not saying this to judge you. I'm saying this because I love you. How dare you stand before God one day and you sit there and say, I thought, I thought, I thought. God said, no, you missed it. I said, if I would have saved you, I would have stepped into your life. And if I stepped into your life, it's the Spirit of God. It's the presence of God inside of your life. Same thing with Adam and Eve in the garden. They did wrong. What did God do? Hey, hey, hey. Where are you? Do you have that voice inside of you? Now, there is a difference between guilt and conviction. Sometimes you feel bad like, oh, man, I hope my wife doesn't find out. That's guilt. We have to cover it up and sit there and try to manipulate and lie. That's guilt. Conviction is I've done wrong and I feel horrible and I, 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 I've, I've sinned. There's a difference. The Spirit of God inside of our life brings peace. The Spirit of God inside of our life brings peace. I'm not saying that we don't go through hardships and, and trials and tribulations. But the thing is, the Bible says that God is the Prince of Peace. He steps into your life. There should be a presence of peace inside of your life. It means that that, that perfect love, you know what, the, just giving it away, the Bible will say later in this passage that God is love. That perfect love that casts out fear, it's God in you that casts out fear. I don't have, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting here bragging. No, I am bragging. I'm going to brag. <laughs> I'm not afraid to go to hell. Do you guys understand? I'm not afraid of hell whatsoever. I'm not, for me. I have oh, a sober mind, uh, a sound mind. The Bible says that I am fully convinced in my heart that I have a relationship with God, and I know because that perfect relationship that I have with God, that perfect love that I have stepped in, it, it, it kicked out fear. And there's no, there's no longer 
fear in love because that perfect love has cast it out. It, it's no longer there. So many Christians, they, Christians that I say that, I'm, I'm trying to help you guys. And, and I'll be honest, I am only right now speaking to you how the Lord is leading me right now because I promise you in my notes, I'm in another direction right now. But I believe with all my heart that you need to hear this. You should not go through life miserable. You should not not go to church week after week after week after week and absolutely be miserable because there's something wrong if you go home and there's no peace that is settled in your heart. Jesus was on the boat and he was with the disciples. You guys remember that? And everything was turmoil. When they called out to Jesus, Jesus stood and he said these words that were so foundational to what we have today. He called out and said, peace be still. God is the one that declares peace in your life. When it was an utter mess and the storms were waving and they were taking on water and I am going to die, something changed when Jesus stood up and said, I declare peace in your life. He is the only one that can bring peace to your life. Amen. The only one. So to lay in bed and sit there and think, I hope, maybe so, it's not right. Something's missing. Something's wrong. There, 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 there should be. The, the, the Spirit of God comes in and He guides us and He brings us to understanding. There, there, there should be the proof through the Spirit of God. There should be proof through change in our lives. You, you understand that that talk about the, the Spirit of God. Well, the Bible later in Galatians, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, listen to this, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, which is self-control. He says, the fruit, you just know what fruit is? Fruit is the evidence of something. It's what comes out of your life. You sit there and say, that's an apple tree. I said, no, I think that's a pear tree. No, it's an apple tree. I'm going to go over there and pull an apple off and say it's an apple tree. The proof is in the fruit. I know what it is by the fruit that it bears. You see, when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, there's something that transpires. And the thing that the Bible is telling us about in here, when you are saved and you accept Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God comes inside of your life. I and you and you and me. And because of that presence and because of that relationship, because of that presence of God in our life, God begins then to have the fruit come out of your life. And it is love. That doesn't make sense because God is love. And if you have God in your life, there should be love. Doesn't that make sense? Perfect love casts out fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love. I am in a spirit of love because I am in the presence of God, because I have a relationship with the God who is love. Which means that should come out of my life. Now, if you sit there and there's no change in your life, and you're one of these people that walk around grumpy all the time, and you're... you're honking at every single person that gets in your way and you're, you're constantly kicking the dog and you can't get along with your kids and you're constantly in arguments with your wife and you have no joy when it comes to church and you're critical about everything. Where is the love in your life? I'm not going to say that we don't struggle. Because the Bible does say there's the spirit that worth against the flesh and the flesh that worth against the spirit. They're contrary to one another. And as long as we're in this world, we're going to be of the spirit that are saved, but we're also going to be of the flesh. Do any of you guys struggle with your flesh? You know that you're saved? There's a battle that goes on. But I'm telling you, here's the thing that you need to check yourself. Make sure there's a battle. Do you know what I'm saying by that? 
If it's a matter of, I don't care. Every, everything about you, you shouldn't do that. I don't care. You shouldn't be there. I don't care. That's not right. I don't care. What's it matter to you? Who am I hurting? Blah, blah, blah. Like, what's in you? Because I tell you, if it's Jesus, it's, still not, it's, it's sure not shining through you. It's not coming out of you in any way. Here's a third one. There's proof through the love that we have for one another. 1 John 4.12, read this. No man has seen God at any time. But listen to this. If we love one another, listen, the proof is if we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected or completed or accomplished or manifested in us. If God is in you, then the proof of God in you is the fact that you will love others. There's a great fear with this. The great fear that we have with this is the fact that if you sit there, and now, guys, is there people you don't like? Raise your hand if there's people that you don't like. Raise it high. Every, the rest of you are lying in church. You're lying this morning. There are some people that I don't always like. And there's some people that I don't always enjoy being around. The Bible is saying here that there should be a love that God puts inside of us that you can love them even though you don't always like them. He says in this, verse 20, listen to this. If a man say, I love God, if a church member says, I love God, and he hates his brother, he is a liar. And he said, oh, how dare you? No, no, no. The Bible is our absolute final authority in our lives. God is saying, as your master and creator, if you dare sit there and say, I love God, and you sit there and say, what about him? I can't stand his guts. I, I can't. If, if he's there, if he goes to that church, if he's around, I, I'm not stepping foot in that place. I want nothing to do with him. I'm not going there. You are a liar if you say that you love God. You cannot, cannot, cannot say that you love God and hate your brother. Don't shoot the messenger, please. But I tell you, if we understand this, there's going to be conflict. Man, I don't like that dude, but man, I should love him, and I need to show grace, but I don't want to show him grace. I'd rather, you know, there's that inner turmoil that's going to come in our lives, and I know that. It's, It's going to happen with all of us. But God made it very clear that if I stepped, if the Holy Spirit stepped into your life and he said, I'm in you and you and me, we all like talking about how, how we're in Christ. Man, I'm on my way to heaven. I got to take it. Christ, Jesus says to us in that first verse that we read, he says, no, let me explain something. I also stepped into your life. You understand? I stepped into your life. And everywhere you go, I go. And I know your thoughts. And I know your anger. And I know how you treat people and all this. And if you sit there and I have no conviction or none of these things inside of my life, you say, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because a lot of people play the game. And they're empty. And they're filled with fear. And there's no passion for God. They have no evidence of God in their life. But this is what we do. We try to perform our way into heaven. There's a great danger for all of us, guys, when we start basing what we are going to do to get into heaven off of the things that we do here on earth. And we sit there and say, man, I am, I'm faithful. And I'll talk to people and they'll say, are you, you have no idea. Did you know I was one of the first babies in that nursery right there? That's great. That's not going to get you into heaven. You can be a deacon of this church and be on your way to hell. 
Did you know you could actually walk with Jesus, see his miracles, teach his teachings, and still go to hell? So I don't believe that. We'll just ask Judas. To be that close to Christ, to be that close with truth, to sit there and literally kiss the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, how is that? Jesus in the garden, sweat, drops of blood. Judas came up and kissed his face. To be that close for all of your life. And Jesus even gave this warning. He says, many will I say that day, Matthew 7, 22, Jesus was speaking. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name? You can imagine this negotiation, you know, with God. Do you have any idea what I've done? I have spoken. I have preached your name. And in thy name, in the name of Jesus, I've cast out devils. I've done, I've done amazing things for you. And in thy name, I've done many, many wonderful works. And then will I profess to them, Jesus, I never knew you. Let me extinguish something that some people have in their minds of sitting there. Well, they must have lost it somewhere along the line. Jesus doesn't have short-term memory, okay? He said, I never knew you. He didn't say, I knew you once, but you messed up along the way. He said, hey, by the way, I never knew you. You were never a child of mine, literally meaning I never stepped in your life. I was never in you and you and me. That never happened. That never occurred. That never transpired ever in your life. The very first step of becoming a courageous Christian for Jesus Christ is not doing more. It's not stirring up the Spirit of God if you do not have the Spirit of God living inside of you to begin with. I know that this is what God wanted me to preach because this is my introduction. But I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to tell you why. Because this was no accident. I couldn't get away from this. Why, why, why? Why in the world? Because we are really good at playing the game. Jesus spoke a lot of the Pharisees, a whole lot about the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were ones that had it all together. And everybody looked at them as these spiritual leaders. They had it all together. And I'm going to tell you what about the, the Jesus was confronting them. And he says, you know what? They, they, they are whited sepulchers. They would take tombs and they would take this whitewash and they would paint the tombs. They would paint the tombs white and they look good. But Jesus said, I'll tell you what's on the inside. They're filled with dead man's bones. They are dead inside. I, I, I think about this in church. How many of us are that whitewashed Christian? Christian, I'll put that in quotes, Okay. I'm, I'm saying if, if I was to come up to you, you know the words to say. You've got the Awana words on your wall at home. You, you, you can repeat the, the, the plan of salvation, all of that. But on the inside, you're dead. Let me tell every guy here. I mean, just shoot you straight. If your wife has to convince you to go to church every single way, you cannot say that you love God, but you never want to come and worship him. Something's wrong. Let me tell the teens that are in this room right now, if you're there and you're playing the game and you're sitting there saying that I love God with all my heart and I'm a Christian and all this, and there's no drive and there's no conviction, something is wrong inside of your life, I'm telling you. And I say this, and I'm passionate about preaching this message in, in whatever place that God puts me to do this, because I realized when I was 16 years old, although I was always in Christian school, although that I had awards all over my wall from vacation Bible school and church and teen camp and everything else, although that my dad was a deacon and my mom was in charge of junior church and everything else, I was still on my way to hell. 
And I'll tell you, the biggest struggle that I had in my life was my pride. When God got a hold of my life, and that day on a Friday night in August, when I was 16 years old, I refused to go forward because of the fact that I was with people that thought that I was Christians, and there was no way that I was going to look stupid. But thank God the conviction of God was greater than my pride on that day. And I remember welling up with tears. And that's the grace of God saying, Tony, I know what you deserve. And I know I should let you go to hell in your arrogance and your pride. But I love you too much to let that happen. And that, 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 that conviction got a hold of my life. And I remember pushing through, pushing through. And I got all the way to the end. And I went down and I fell at the altar. And the guy came up and was like, I know this dude. And I said, are you okay, Tony? I said, I need to accept Christ. I'm playing this game. You know how I knew it? Because I was so dead inside. I was dead inside. Numb. The great I am was words on a screen. It was not a message in my heart. 